One of the things that my dad often used to say when, when Justin and I were growing up was that he would rather us be on the other side of the world serving Jesus than next door going to hell. And this is a true statement. Uh, I feel the same way about my children. If God calls them, I'd rather them answer that call, even if it means moving away from me. Uh, however, when I went to the other side of the world, my mother wasn't really happy about it. So I don't know what's happening there, but uh, maybe she didn't get the memo. No, just, she's doing what mothers do, and that is very concerned for me. So she breathed a great sigh of relief uh, Friday night, about 10 o'clock, when I finally got home. And she was there to welcome me. And so it was a great homecoming. And I, again, just you know, so much appreciate your prayers. I, I can't summarize um, what I experienced in even 30 minutes, uh, much less in one minute. So forgive me when, when you ask, you know, how was it uh, that, that my answer may be short because I just don't have enough time. But I will say this, it was, again, life-transforming, not just for the students, but for me. And the Lord downloaded some vision for me uh, for our way forward, as well as a church. Last year, it was, it was neat because I kept the same notebook I used. And on the flight back, I had jotted down some things for our church to be able to do last year that we actually did, and it actually worked really well. So I was thinking, well, hey, give me some more of those things to jot down so we can keep doing some good stuff. So hopefully... Um, the Lord will continue to push us in the right direction and we'll listen to that call more importantly because His call is good. Notice this morning we're going to be in Ezekiel. Uh, This is Ezekiel chapter 2 is where I want you to go. Uh, We've got Bibles right there in the basket in front of you uh, or, um, yeah, I think, yeah, well, underneath there for the front row or maybe lying around, but... I want you to go to Ezekiel 2, and I want to read just um, the first seven verses here of Ezekiel's call. Uh, Now, Isaiah has a very popular call in Isaiah 6, and we pretty much know that. Most of us uh, have read that before and been inspired by it. Uh, You know, Ezekiel's call might not be as famous, but for this morning it's going to be famous. It's what we're going to look at. Notice these words from Ezekiel chapter 2. And he said to me, Son of man... Stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your word, and your word is for us. And so now make this particular call, Ezekiel's call, our own call, In our own context, we pray in your most holy name. Amen. 
Have you ever gotten a phone call that you screened? You know, it's a great thing for us to have now uh, caller ID, whatever they call it even. I don't even think they call it that anymore. You just, every phone is equipped now with, hey, so-and-so's calling me. Used to, though, that wasn't the case, and we didn't know, and we just would answer the phone. Uh, but have you ever sat there and looked at your phone and thought, do I really want to answer this? Do I really want to talk to this person right now? Surely you've never screened my call, right? Uh, I'm sure that's never happened before, but no, we, we do this. We oftentimes will send them to voicemail. We'll oftentimes ignore the call. We'll oftentimes, you know, just act like it's not even happening. Put it on silence so that we don't have to even listen to it anymore. We have nice ways of not answering people. Uh, not answering their call. But have you ever had one of these kind of people who they just keep calling? I've had this happen before where, I, yeah, no, I don't have time for that. And it comes back. And, okay, I, I don't, it comes back. And finally, you've got to answer. I mean, especially if they space out their calls throughout the day, they know that you at some point were going to be home. You're going to see your phone. And the bad thing about having cell phones is we have direct access all the time right there in our pocket. So if you go over three hours... We know you've actually looked at your phone. So you've seen it, you just are not responding. Um, this is the way we often even treat God's call. You see, in the same way, we get these mobile cell phone calls, if you will. These ones that, I mean, when you call somebody, you can't see that. And when, somebody, when God calls someone, you can't see that. If I tell you, hey, I am called to preach, you can't see that. You can't see God doing that inside of me. It's something that He has to do by the Spirit, just as He does here with Ezekiel. And I, in my own life, have several different callings. For instance, when I was 17, very strong calling to preach. I had no idea what that entailed. No idea at all what that even looked like. So I thought, you know, go into an established church and, you know, just preach every Sunday. That's about it, you know. No, that's not the plan. Uh, that's not going to happen. It's going to be different than that. Um, had no idea. But I accepted that call. I heard the call and I said yes. Even without knowing how that phone call was going to end, if you will, I said yes at the beginning because I knew who was calling. It was Jesus. It was very clear in my life that it was Jesus. And there was no way I had sort of been ignoring that call throughout my teenage years, but there was no way... Not any longer was I going to do that. I said yes. I answered the call and I said yes. And he's, he's taken me on a journey that, that I could have never dreamed of myself. I mean, I got to preach in India of all places. I would have never at 17 thought of doing that. Um, I also received a call to be married to Jessica. This was a calling in my life. I made sure of this calling. It wasn't something I just chose. It was something I asked God about and He confirmed in my heart. And no one can ever tell me differently. No one. You ever had a calling that was so sure that even if others doubted, even if others argued against it, you were sure that it was God calling you and you weren't going to let them uh, dissuade you from following His call. Not only that, I was called to plant a church. It wasn't something on my radar. Trust me, it wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't want to put my family and my life in, in a precarious situation where there wasn't a security blanket there. You, know, you go into an established church, well, they've got the money. You go into a church plant, and there is no money. 
It was a very, very strong calling. It wasn't based on finances. It wasn't based on pleasure. It was based on God. And I knew I did not have the gifts uh, necessary to start a church. Still don't. That's why God called you. That's why He's placed you in our midst. You guys here are the body of Christ. I'm not the head. I too am part of that body. There's only one head and it's Christ. And He's the one who calls each of us to minister and to make this body work. This body will not work. This church will not last if people do not receive the call of God and answer that call. It's not enough just to receive it. It must be answered, not ignored, not sent a voicemail, not for a later day. And many of you, many of you in it, and I cannot describe to you in my heart. You ever notice how they, they say this thing? Um, it's a summary of it. It's not the exact saying, but distance makes the heart grow fonder, right? Or time, you know, time away makes the heart grow fonder. It does. When I'm away, I think of you and I'm just overjoyed to think about how some of you have answered specific calls of God on your life to be leaders in this church. And more of you are being called. And some of you are answering, some of you are not. Uh, Do not ignore the call of God. He has things that are untold, that cannot be told, uh, even that are in store for you. I also received a call to go to India. And this was from God. Uh, I can carry you through in about 30 minutes how this happened. But the short end of it is this. God called me to go to India to share with Indians two weeks out of the year. And I believe in that calling. And every time I go, I'm only confirmed that this is a needed mission that God has prepared for me. Do you know your calling? God calls all of us. It's not just for the elite, it's not just for the super spiritual, it's not just for the saints, it is for all. Christians. He is calling every single Christian. It doesn't matter your occupation. It doesn't matter your vocation. He is calling you. He wants to place you in His kingdom. He wants to place you in His body. You are a part of the body. Some parts are more seen than others. This is what Paul tells us in the New Testament. But all are equally important. Notice Ezekiel's call. God calls him and says, look, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. And he is not able to hear until the Spirit of God enters him. You won't know God's call for you unless you are living in the Spirit. This is not something we conjure up in our own lives. It is something God gives to us. We must wait for His Spirit. Do you remember in the New Testament, in Acts... And at the end of Luke, Jesus will say, Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. The promise was the Spirit. Then they were called out into mission. We are not called to jump the gun. We are not called to just simply say yes to the first thing that comes. God wants to place you in a ministry that is so fulfilling and that uses your gifts. It's not going to look like me. It's not going to look like others in this church that are already serving. You have your own gifts. You have your own personality. And God likes that. If others don't like it, that's their problem. You have a unique place in the kingdom of God. And He is calling you. 
The problem is we have a hard time listening. We have a lot of things going on in our life that will compromise us hearing His call. Ezekiel is told to stand up and to listen, and God puts him on his feet. Now, Ezekiel is one unique character. He begins the book by telling us that on his 30th birthday, which even for the Jews back then was a big deal. The 30th birthday apparently is a big deal. And so on his 30th birthday, he receives a call. The very first verse in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles, so on and so forth, the heavens were open to me, and God begins to speak to him. Now, that is the sort of calling that God gives. It's one that can be remembered. You remember where you were. I can still see that piece of paper on my desk that continually haunted me about India. It was there for over a year on my desk, getting shuffled around under stuff, but it always popped up to the surface. Oh, well, there it is again. Yeah, just throw it over the side. We'll deal with that later. But the time comes where we must answer that call. And some of you already know your calling, but you are unwilling to answer. Uh, Some of you know that calling, and that calling needs to be reaffirmed. You've been in that sort of ministry before, and now you have pulled back for some reason, and God is calling you to confirm that calling. I don't know what your calling is. I'm not a seer. I don't, I don't sit up here and pontificate what you should do. I don't organize the pieces. That's not the way the body of Christ works. I want you to be led by the Spirit. And we must be led by the Spirit. So Ezekiel, on his 30th birthday, you have to understand that Ezekiel was a priest. And yet, even though he had trained all of his life, his entire life, up to this point of 30, to be a priest, he never actually got to enter the temple. So, the very thing he had been trained for all of his life, he never got to use. Can you imagine that? Imagine training as an engineer. Imagine training as a doctor. Imagine training in whatever field you are a part of. For 30 years of your life, you've dead set on this, and yet you never get to use it. That'd be pretty bad. And he says even on his 30th birthday, that's even worse, isn't it? I mean, he's getting a pink slip. Before he ever even starts. Why do you say he is disqualified to enter the temple? Because he's exiled. If you were in a foreign land, you were defiled. You were never allowed to go into the temple. Never. He could never go into the temple. So, as a priest, that was his job, was to go into the temple. He was one of the few called out to actually go into the temple, and yet he never was allowed to go in the temple. And yet... He still got to go into the temple. (laughs) But it was not a temple made with hands. It was one that was in the Spirit. Do you remember that vision in Ezekiel where he is carried to the temple and he sees all the corruption as he moves through the temple? And then the Spirit of God in the form of a dove leaves the temple. You see, God's calling for Ezekiel was beyond what he could understand when he was first called. You see, he had prepared to be a priest, but God had called him to be a prophet. And he gets this calling in chapter 2. He stood on his feet, he's filled with the Spirit, and then God begins to talk to him. And I love this in verse 4. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them. Now that's fantastic, isn't it? He's going to send him to people that are stubborn. 
people who don't want to listen. If you've ever read, uh, Jeremiah's calls the same thing. I'm going to call you to people who are not going to respond. Now that sounds like a very rewarding field, doesn't it? Sounds like a failure. And yet, it's not. Maybe in our current situation in America, we too are called to people who are not going to respond. But you know what? God says, hey, that's not on you. That's not on you if they respond or not. Just like He told Ezekiel here. It's not up to you whether they respond. My ministry, your ministry, doesn't rise or fall on the whims of people. It rises or falls on our faithfulness to God and what He's called us to do. You have amazing gifts. If you are filled with the Spirit, you also have the fruit of the Spirit. You have something to share with the world The call of Ezekiel is our call to actually share that. Now, notice, he says, look, you're going to go to those people who are rebellious and stubborn, and you will say to them this, thus says Yahweh Elohim, what he says in the Hebrew, the Lord our God. So Yahweh is his personal name. Elohim is just generic for God. He says, that's going to be your message. Thus says the Lord. Now, he's going to have a lot of thus says the Lord's in his book. I mean... We're going to go on for quite a while in in Ezekiel. But the ultimate call is to speak His Word. You see, it's not our Word. We can relax today when others push us. We didn't think this up. We didn't create this world. We didn't create these institutions. It's not my, my problem. Instead, you push them to God. You lift them to God, to the heavens. This is where the decree comes from. Thus says the Lord. It's not on you. Don't get all bent out of shape when people don't agree with you. They're going to not agree with you. He's already telling Ezekiel up front, look, your ministry is going to be people who are stubborn, who are rebellious. They have a rebellious house. They're going to go the other way. They're not going to listen. That's alright. It's not our job to try to, try to you know, grab their arm behind their back and force them into a position. That's not our job. It's to preach. It's to teach. It is to live the Word of God so that others might know. Just like here at Harvest Point, we oftentimes talk about producing fruit. We can't do it. All we can do is prepare the soil, the soul, right? We can plant the seeds of the Gospel and water it and continue to create an environment for it to grow. We cannot make it grow. No more than you can make your vegetables grow. You can create that environment, but it's up to God who will give the increase. So in your own life, do not be discouraged today. We may have a message that's unpopular. We may have a message that they're not going to listen to the world. But what's new about that? It's funny, I was in a room where we stayed and we had to to move from our room because the... um, we had some Indian and uh, a Japanese church leader coming in to stay in, uh, in the guest house where we were staying. And so <laughs> they came in late at night and, you know, it was really neat because here we are on the other side of the world and yet I'm talking to a Japanese guy that actually currently lives in Japan who had been to Wesley Biblical Seminary where I went and knows the teachers and we're sitting here, you know, uh, just blown away that we met on the other side of the world, you know, in order to see each other. But, 
you know, it's, it's, that's a God thing, I find. I mean, you know, here, here he is. He's gone to the same. He knows Dr. Tashiro, who knows like 24 languages. Um, and so he actually stayed at his house in Jackson, Mississippi. And he said, he said, the thing I remember about my time in Mississippi, this is a Japanese guy, right, is there was a snowstorm <laughs> back in the 90s. And I actually got delayed going home because of snow in Mississippi. I said, yeah, that's a rarity. Um, and so as we talked uh, and as we met the Indian leaders as they came in from different places around India, uh, Marcus and I were asked point blank, <laughs> listen, I, I barely had any information coming out of America. I mean, I'm not, I, I wasn't online all day long. I, I'm hearing bits and pieces of, of what, you know, the Supreme Court's doing and all the things that's going on in America. I'm, I'm barely getting any kind of information. Definitely not my normal appetite and diet that I, that I live off of. And we're asked point blank, what is American, American Christians' response to this? Now here's Indian leaders who are in India and a Japanese leader in the church who teach other people and they're looking to me and Marcus, this other dude that I went with, and asking us, what is your response? What should the church's response be to this? That's a little intimidating. I don't care who you are. And my response was very basic. <laughs> because quite frankly, it's nothing new. What do we do? Should we be scared? No. Should we be angry? I mean, if you want to, it's not going to help anything. Sinners do what sinners do. They produce fruit just like you produce fruit. And some fruit is bad and not useful, and other fruit is good, the scripture says. So, they asked me point blank and and I, you know, sort of timidly at first, but then as I spoke, uh, it was as if the Spirit was already confirming, we don't need to do anything different. Why do we need to change policy? We don't need to change policy. There is no policy change. The Bible is still the Bible. God is still on the throne. What has changed? Just because some people say that something that God says is wrong is right now, we get all bent out of shape? No, it's the same response. Do we now have a sour attitude? No. It's still good news that's offered. Marriage is still good news. We lost marriage a long time ago, if you haven't noticed. This is not the first time that marriage has had trouble in America. We've had trouble for a long time before this. This was a long time coming. This should not surprise us at all. Nothing is different. Sinners are still sinners. They still need the gospel. We're still Christians. Christ is still the true ruler. And His kingdom still goes forth. Here's the other thing that, that began to come out in our discussion was we are not to look to politics. Politics are not going to save the day. Politics really are just this thing where, where we vote for the lesser of two evils. There is no good option. It's just the lesser of two evils. No nation has lasted forever and quite frankly, this nation will not last forever. We're told that. Now should we just send it on its way to hell? No. We should do everything in our power to halt the breaks, just like Jeremiah did with his call. Jerusalem, it was a Christian nation, if you will. They had the law of God. They were a nation that was created by God, and yet they were rebellious. Yet God destroyed them. He judged them. And we will be judged. What's new about that? There's nothing new here. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, as, as Solomon says. Um, we still, I told those leaders, I said, I'll tell you what our church is going to do. We're going to continue preparing people for heaven. Our mission has not changed because of what the courts do or because of what the people in power do. 
There's nothing that changes. We're still going to prepare souls for heaven. We're still going to plant seeds of the gospel. And we're going to produce fruit. Do you know that the Supreme Court has also said that abortion is right? Legal? Okay. But we don't believe that. We actually here at this church support a group that goes against that. Choose life. (laughs) Its message, however, is positive. It's not negative. They're not being, they're not spilling out hate. They're spilling out love. And you know how they're doing it? Not through the courts. Do you know that in America we're actually winning the abortion debate? How does this happen? Is it just all of a sudden shift of politics? No. It's the church actually helping real people on the ground. Grassroots efforts to actually help moms in real situations. That's what Choose Life and a host of other groups are doing, even in light of something being legal. So we don't have to turn sour. We shouldn't turn sour. God is still king, isn't He? That's good news for me. Nothing changes for me. He is still my king. Yes, we're citizens of this great nation. Absolutely. And we should pray for our nation. We're told to pray for our leaders. But we should not despair. Why is there room to despair? We are not blown with the wind here and there. Instead, we're grounded in Christ, in His Word. And so we continue. We continue to live our life. We continue to preach the good news without fear. Notice what what he says about Ezekiel here. He says, look, do not be afraid. Verse 6. He said, don't be afraid of them or of their words. Words are powerful, aren't they? I mean, the whole debate is based around words. Written in words. Spoken in words. And we too must be very articulate about the way we handle things and say things to others. We must even couch our bad news in good news. And that's tough to do at times. But we're here to help. This is why we exist, is to preach the good news, live the good news. He says, do not be afraid of them or their words. Then I love this. He says, and also, don't be afraid of their looks. Now, I don't think he means that they're ugly, like, like physically ugly. I think he means, you, you ever told somebody something, they look at you like this? Right? I had this um, girl from uh, Nagaland, which actually sounds sort of like Disneyland. I, hey, let's load up the kids and go to Nagaland. But it's a place in India. And she sat, on the, she sat on the front row, and she really didn't know English hardly at all. And she would oftentimes look at me very strangely when I said things, you know. And it really sort of messed me up because I wanted to stop and explain, but I knew I couldn't for the sake of the other students. But she looked at me very strangely. I think that's what he means here. I don't think he means like their physical look, but when you say the good news of marriage, when you say the good news of the Bible, when you affirm your faith in Jesus Christ... People are going to look at you strangely. But he says, look, don't be afraid of their looks. That's all right. You know, when something big happens, one of the, or or even bad happens, and people are trying to push you to respond, you know, push your buttons even. Maybe at work this happens for you. You know, somebody knows what you don't like, so they they push that out there, right? We've all had people in our lives who, who have tried to push us in this way. My response is always to relax. Just because I don't like somebody to be able to control my emotions. So if if somebody comes at me with something, I relax more. Because I know what they want, and that is for me to get upset. I know what they want. And I know what the world wants, and that is for Christians to be upset today. They want us to be defeated. 
They want to punch it to us. That's all right. That's okay. Sinners do what sinners do. Why does that surprise us? It shouldn't surprise us. No, the law of God remains the same. His instructions remain the same. His good news is still good news. And you know what, what I love? I'm on the other side of the world as we're getting this information, right? And people, people in India are looking for America's response. People in India are looking for Christians to respond. And if we sit by and say nothing, we sit by and do not stand up, what do you think the world thinks about the church in America? I showed them a dollar bill when I was in America. They said, oh, God we trust. Amen. I said, that's a joke. That's been a joke for a long time. No, it's already in the court system to be deleted. Just give enough time and it will be deleted. And that's all right. Should we, should we, should we fail a hope? No. The enemy's moving, yes. The darkness is starting to overshadow. But that means that we can be a light. If we're willing to stand up. If we're willing to speak out for Jesus Christ. Now, again, don't take the defensive. We're not on the defensive. Let's be clear. We're not defending and have to defend God and defend our... No, no, no. We're on the offensive. When the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, that's an offensive move. That's not a defensive move. Gates are actually meant to keep things in, right? So the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That means we're the ones knocking on the door. You see, what the world wants you to think is that we're on the defensive. We're not. We're on the offensive. The church is on the move around the world. American Christianity is not the only kind of Christianity in the world. And Japanese leaders, Chinese leaders, Indian leaders, African leaders are looking at America right now because you know what? What happens in America begins to get filtered out across the world. And that's what those Indian leaders told me. They said, we too will have to deal with this one day and we're going to be watching you. We're going to be watching you. The call is clear. The call is to Jesus Christ. The call is to proclaim His good news. Nothing has changed. The world can say whatever it wants to say about God. They've said a lot of things. And now I love that people all of a sudden become experts on on Jesus. Don't you love this? Well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. All of a sudden now we have a Christological theologian. They probably never even read the New Testament. But hey, we know what Jesus says. Right? The problem is... Jesus God and God wrote the Old Testament. Just bad theology. Jesus has spoken. He's spoken very clearly. And the Spirit has spoken. And the Father has spoken. We're in good company, folks. There's no reason to despair. There's no reason to have long faces. There's no reason to be argumentative. We have the truth on our side. We don't hang it over people. We don't beat them with the truth. That's not what Jesus did, was it? The only people that Jesus beat up with the truth were religious leaders. Were Christians, if you will. Believers. Not the world. The world doesn't know God. They don't know what to do. They're doing what they know to do. And everyone does what is right in his own eyes. But we know the truth. And if we sit on it, here's what Jesus says. If you're ashamed of me, in this adulterous and sinful generation, then when I come again, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Now we can sweep that under the carpet. 
Act like he didn't say it. Act like he hadn't called. Put him on ignore. Or we can reject. But he promises us he will reject us when he comes. As, uh, as we say sometimes in class, enough said. You know, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about um, how we can win our cultural war. Some of you don't even know that we're at war. That's all right. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be laying out a battle strategy. One that is good news. One that is not on the defensive, but instead on the offensive. Ezekiel was called to people that were rebellious and weren't going to listen. We might be too. We're watching a nation literally shake at its foundations. But you know what? That's the time in which we are called to stand up. In the future, people will look back and see what Christians did, how they responded, and they will judge us upon that. But more importantly, God will judge us. We must be faithful to God. Remember the calling for Ezekiel, as the calling for all of us is to God, not to men, not to women, not to society, not to politics. We're not playing politics. No, we are called to the kingdom of God to continue to plant, continue to prepare people, and continue to produce fruit of the kingdom. I appreciated uh, Greg's um, chiding of you if you have not visited our website, right? He'll actually like my website. And nobody even spoke up and told him that I designed the website, right? No. Look, when there wasn't much going on in the church years back and uh, there, there were no services, I literally sat around and prayed about those three Ps. And, uh, and God gave them to me. That was a calling. And I believe in that calling. This is what this church is based on. And so I hope you believe in that calling too. Look, we've got good news. There's no reason to despair. There's no reason to turn sour. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. Believe in that. Receive His peace. And then give that peace out to others. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. It's not the people's fault. There's a deeper problem. We can't put a band-aid on it. We've got to go to the source. Love those around you. You're called to do that. You're called to be a missionary. America has been a mission field for some time now. We just didn't know it. Some of you just didn't know it. It's been post-Christian for a long time. But that's alright. It's our time to shine now. It's our time to stand up. It's our time to listen to God and then to speak His words into the hearts and lives of men and women all over the world. So, be encouraged today. Know God's call for your life. If you don't know that calling, you can seek His face even now, even this morning in this service of worship. Amen.